So welcome back to another podcast of All Wide United and Football and this is me Hemant and I'm back with another podcast of Chelsea because we've got a special Chelsea fan who messaged my friend and we're going to discuss uh Chelsea situation after the lockdown and what's their transfer schedule going to be do they have the money to spend after buying Hakim Ziyech from Ajax will this season be continued or will it get voided what's going to be next season situation and will Chelsea be successful with Frank Lampard in the long term we're going to discuss it all all Chelsea related because we've got the Chelsea fan on the podcast and yep let's get going because this is going to get interesting So yep we've got Bumes as I just said uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Chelsea because he's obviously a Chelsea fan and um like I, I just wanted to get uh, as many clubs as fans perspective after this lockdown as possible and I think uh, I think Chelsea pretty much uh whole you know significance in, the, in this lockdown because obviously the Champions League's uh, qualification hopes obviously hang by a thread for a couple of clubs and Chelsea is obviously uh, in the mix of it as well. So hello Bhumesh, I hope you're doing well. Uh welcome to the podcast. I hope you have a great experience today. So yeah, first up uh what what what's your take on the season basically? Uh, do you want it to happen? Do you want it to get voided and stuff? What what's the what's your take on it? My take on this season is like it we should complete the whole season. Because yeah. financially it is a big loss for all the clubs. because mainly the clubs uh, source of income is broadcasting ticketing uh, match day sales and sponsorship and if uh, these clubs don't play their matches or complete these complete the whole league they yeah. might even go to bankruptcy you never know yeah yeah like we might think that insurance might cover up their uh, losses but like i read somewhere that insurance might cover up two to three games but yeah. it will also have its own terms and conditions and i yeah. don't think any club has something comprehensive that it can deal with a cancelled season as such yeah and then if you see the transfer fees and all like uh, for example bruno fernandes manchester uh, yeah. united like they agreed on 60 million but they will be paying it for 5 to 6 years like until the yeah. contract ends exactly so, so right now in this scenario a lot of clubs will have to pay each other the transfer fees but they can't afford to because there's no yeah. money coming in yeah exactly So even if it's behind closed doors, we need to finish the season. Yep. And uh, the thing with uh, finish, finishing it behind the closed doors is that still you would need some medical staff to be in, and you you still need a lot of other uh, footballing staff around to conduct those closed door matches. Because again, uh, in this in such a situation, obviously uh, you need the medical staff. uh from any background uh, at any cost for the treatments and stuff so i think it's it's a pretty uh logical to wait till uh whenever we can play football like properly with the crowd and maybe or maybe even behind the closed doors i think it's logical to like wait till like uh, we get a proper uh you know signal from the government and the necessary authorities to play football because i think yeah i pretty much agree with you this there's too much money to lose as well as uh, you know uh, not happen uh, not conducting the next season like on time uh, would also like cost a lot of money because i heard that premier league might have to pay their sponsors like 
filthy money of 900 million pounds or something if they start the season late and at the same time if they avoid the season they lose around 720 million or something so you're talking about billions and all so i think i pretty much agree that football must take place i think uh, there's no option of avoiding the the stuff But, uh, do you have any suggestions like how premier league could maybe not void the season and maybe continue stuff <laughs> i have no uh, suggestions as such because like i can't think of any way of completing the season because we have a lot of matches left right now yeah. and then again like the peak is may like in may we have to complete the season and then we have cup finals and europa and champions league finals yeah so i don't know how premier league will you know cope up with this so many fixtures yeah 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 and and i think uh, the the i i don't know like uh, the premier league obviously came up with a statement that uh, they think that football can be only resumed after june the 8th um, which is i think after two months uh, from the time of recording and if, if football can be played from june the 8th then uh, they think that within the 5 6 weeks span that they'll have uh, till the end of july they have to complete like the remaining united fixtures that that are left in the premier league and then probably decide next season's qualification based on that and they have to move the transfer window and vice versa so like uh, obviously so completing the season would be the most logical thing but i think voiding doesn't achieve anything and i think it's unfair on the qualifications part and stuff so yeah i pretty much uh, uh, you know thing that way and i obviously uh, was suggesting you the thing of dividing the league into conferences yeah uh, which could act for the next season which could actually uh, finish it uh, much earlier uh, and, and rather than a whole 38 game season but i think yeah they they should probably look out for ways uh, which could sound more logical than uh, the void voiding thing but yeah uh, i think playing when playing can be done is something that i would uh, rather stick to so yeah moving on to chelsea since you're a chelsea fan uh, what's your what's your club situation i mean like would you mind if the league does get voided or uh, would you mind it or would you think that maybe um i would have wanted to see whether we got that top four place uh, if the season had gone on or something like that um if the season is voided i think there's no harm to us as chelsea fans because chelsea is already in top four the yep. thing to be that at the end of the season what if manchester united had a chance of qualifying exactly if, if if sheffield united comes on top four what about the yeah. league battles these all yeah. things might change so chelsea is safe i i feel so like yep now yep so like let's say if chelsea were to like slip up from uh, the you know top four spots after the season gets uh, resumed so what what would be your take then <laughs> uh then i think i would love said like oh god why did the season end it's been voided at that time maybe yeah yeah so and talking about this lockdown period i think uh it's this season uh, especially has been pretty significant for chelsea because uh, lampard's first full season in charge obviously uh he faced the transfer ban overcame it in january and then they sort of went into uh, buying hakim ziak from ax yeah. i think i think you bought him for a 35 million pound or something yes yes, yes. Uh, yeah and he's obviously a very good player of ax which he, who hasn't been linked 
to uh, bigger clubs uh, till like last season or uh, the start of the season but i think in january chelsea sort of saw that opportunity and did the same thing that they did with polisic by signing him in advance so yeah uh, happy with ziak uh yeah i'm happy with ziak but the thing is i don't know if he'll play that good because if you see pl is a very physical competition or a league whereas yeah. where he played in ajax and that league it was more tactical and less physical yeah and if you see hazard was being kicked we can record every pl match hazard played he was fouled yeah and i feel same is going to happen with ziash and i don't know how well he's going to cope up with it he might yeah. face injuries he might face like there are a lot of things like we saw pulisic pulisic was on an amazing run but then yeah. he got injured yeah so i'm scared of that because pl is a physical game and i think buying someone who's proven in pl already is a better option yeah. But you yeah. never know. Yeah, and like, what sort of positions do you think Ziyech can play? Like, do you see him as an out-and-out right winger, or do you think he can play be uh, switch wings to play on left? Or I, I, I was actually hearing from other Chelsea, some other Chelsea fan that maybe uh, Lampard should try him in the mid of the pivot of a four-two-three-one, like a like a cam maybe. What do you see uh, Ziyech Ziyech's position as? So in Ajax, we have seen him playing on the right hand side and also in the center. So yep. we have only two options. We can't play him on the left hand side, obviously. But yep. he, so the the I feel is if Ziyech and Reece James play together, yeah, be a deadly combination of crosses because both of them, both of them can deliver pinpoint crosses to Tammy Abraham, and Tammy can be the uh, you know um, what do you call the hold up guy? Yeah, the hold up guy, the target man. Yeah. Uh, so I feel Re- uh, Ziyech will play on the right hand side, alongside okay. al- along with Reece James. Okay. And uh, you know the the thing about Ziyech, one thing I noticed a lot, like uh, you know when people were saying that why is when Ziyech was at Ajax and Ajax were on the back of that amazing uh, semi final run of the Champions League, everyone was like, yeah, look, uh, De Jong is getting his move, Direct is getting his move, uh, Van de Beek was linked a lot, but he didn't get his move ultimately. And maybe I think De- Neres was also linked to many clubs as well, but the focus wasn't there much on Ziyech. And people were asking why the clubs are like, not looking much at Ziyech. And then someone, I read this on Twitter, someone had put up a stat that uh, Ziyech in the last season and this season as well. And I think in the Eredivisie, which is the Dutch league, mm-hmm. in the Eredivisie the itself, there's a stat that uh, in more than 10 matches this season, Ziyech has lost possession more than 40 times, 4-0, which is, I think, a pretty staggering stat. I, I think... And and I think uh, when Ajax got knocked out of the Champions League, uh, I think in one of their uh, important matches, Ziyech had lost the ball 41 times. So someone had mocked him with uh, comparing it with Sancho that Ziyech doesn't deliver, whether Sancho does in the games that matter because Ziyech loses a lot of balls. So yeah, what do you take on that? Like, can you cope up with a player and be patient with someone who loses that much amount of a ball? And what do you think? Like, how would Lampard come up with uh, such a player? Uh, I think we need to give him some time. Yep. And we need to see how good he plays in PL. But then, yeah. but we have Adoy, we have Sancho, we have Ziyech coming in. Uh, I think it is a healthy competition over there who yeah. plays. And yeah. I think Ziyech might improve with his position. Yeah. But I have one issue with Ziyech. Ziyech's defensive contribution is compared to none. Like, 
he doesn't contribute anything towards defensive exactly yeah uh, yeah so uh, during counters and when we need to defend because we are we concede a lot of goals yep. so we need more men behind the ball and if yep. zh is not contributing towards the, towards defensive uh, areas then i don't think he is a well fit for us yep like if you see william william was contributing a lot he, he used to track yeah. back every match yeah 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 zh, ZH won't track back Yeah, Ziyech, I think, is like more of a front presser. Like when you're yeah. when you're basically like sitting back and you have to press from the front line, then I think Ziyech can be good in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So um, obviously, Ziyech's obviously one one signing that Chelsea got uh, this season. So what like on a on an overall rebuild basis, like what more positions for next season and the immediate next season do you think Chelsea need to get their players in? Uh, a left back for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I guess one centre back and a striker. Yeah. Yep. So I I would have said the same as well because that's what my uh, list says. So yeah, left back. Any shouts? Have you got? Uh, Ben Chilwell. But yeah. But the thing is, Ben Chilwell that Foxes won't won't be ready to sell him so easily. Yeah. And we need to pay him a lot, like how Manchester yeah. did for Maguire. Yeah, and I don't think Chelsea will pay uh, Foxes around 50, 60 million for Ben Chilwell. But yeah. other than that, uh, we take Ake on a buyback clause. Yeah, that that was my centre back shout. So yeah, for centre back you can take Ake. So like, uh, what about Alex Telles, uh, the 27 year old from Porto? Alex Telles is for 35 million, and uh, I think uh, he is pretty old. I feel I need to check his age. I don't know. Yeah, he's 27. He was born in 1992, so like he'll be 28 this year. Yeah, so I feel Nathan Ake is a better choice. Ake, I guess he used to play as a left back, right? Earlier. Yeah, but like now he's more like a most established centre back right now. So Alex Telles than it is. Yep. So, uh, so Telles basically, if you want to know his numbers, he's got 1.5 tackles per 90, uh, 1.5 interceptions per 90 this season. On an average, uh, he commits quite a foul, uh, quite a lot of fouls. Uh, makes like 1.5 fouls per 90. Uh, his clearances is 1.3 per 90. Uh, dribbles 0.8, and like offensive numbers don't uh, like you know not not that great as Robertson and stuff. But I think Alex Ellis is pretty uh, decent defensively. Um, and I think Nic- Nicola Tagliafico would be my other shot uh, from my axe because. uh he's someone whose defensive numbers are way better than any uh, other uh, chelsea fullback right now he's got like 2.8 uh, tackles per 90 uh, 1.9 interceptions per 90 um uh, and 2.2 clearances per 90 which in comparison to someone like a marcus alonso or an emerson is pretty high uh, but the only thing is that uh, with nicola taglafico that he might cost uh, if chelsea were to buy taglafico he might cost um, him like chelsea a lot more because chelsea just bought ziak from ajax and ajax would charge chelsea more if they like want taglafico and taglafico in my opinion like he's uh, a very aggressive full back that i think would suit a frank lampard system because i think uh, he he has a defensive edge over someone like an alonso or an emerson who i think both those full backs are much more uh, forward thinking uh, minded people so i think uh, taglafico would give the different angle to that if chelsea were to sign him but yeah, I, as long as 
he's coming up for a good a reasonable price i think uh, taglafico taglafico would be a good shot for me what do you think about taglafico uh, i haven't seen his stats but then i have heard of him like he's a really good player but then yep. uh, the thing is uh, ben for me ben silver is the best option right now yeah we all know how good he plays yeah exactly yeah yeah and chelsea might have the finances to you know even pay for ben silver or taglafico maybe yeah but then i still feel ben silver is better option because he has played in pl and has proved himself yep yeah so i think ben silver the thing uh, with him is that like obviously he'll cost like what 80 90 million easily yeah yeah because right now the market is kind of in, inflated and uh, you know uh, chelsea right now have just come back from uh, a transfer ban and if they overspend in the next few transfer windows they might get another ban which they w- wouldn't want especially when lampard might think that okay now we can like he can probably slowly build on from here so yeah tagla tagla fico or uh, alex celes at a reasonable price in, in that sense maybe good so what about a center back then who are, who would be a choice center back i think koulibaly okay so yeah you've got all the elite options like the koulibaly so pam yeah the opamecanos because because our defense gets shattered every match and yep. and i feel ki we need some personality in defense some good personality a leader yeah. Yeah. You know, hope or keep keep the line organized, and we yeah. don't have that at the moment. Everyone yeah. is young. Zuma, okay, all us like all us. Rodriguez. What do you think about Antonio Rodriguez? I I personally feel that he's kind of overrated. Like he's okay. Like he's a set piece threat definitely, but defensively, I think you can definitely have a better centre back than him. Uh, and yeah, also physically, he is not that great compared to yeah, other exactly. players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a, he's, he he's quite a big guy. Uh, yeah, he he has his pace, but then I feel, uh, I I prefer Zuma over Rudiger, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, what about Fikardo Mori? Obviously, we know his recovery pace is uh, amazing. So, do you think uh, Fikardo Mori? Fikardo Mori is still young, and we can't put him like uh, every game week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That's he'll be inconsistent. He'll be inconsistent then, and we don't want that. Yeah. So my shout uh, for the Chelsea centre back is, I mean, I had obviously two shouts. One was Nathan Ake, uh, which for which you had a buyback clause of forty million. Everyone thought yeah. that that was going to get expired in January, but I, I, I think it's still is there. It's still active, mm-hmm. so you can still buy him back for forty million. And I think mm-hmm. wouldn't be much bad because I think Ake has definitely developed uh, since he's left Chelsea. Can be a good set piece threat. Like if Lampard wants to go go down that route that uh, he's he's wanting to build a Chelsea team out of the academy products, well developed or still developing uh, that's a question obviously. But still, if he wants to develop a team in that way, I think Ake would be a good shout. But my other option is Soyuncu from Leicester. Again, a, a guy who would cost you like eighty yeah. ninety million because Leicester's any player from Leicester would easily cost you above fifty million uh, and some maybe even crossing hundred million if. If you like look at someone like a Madison or someone, they that would that would be a very costly affair. But would you, if Chelsea were to spend that that much amount of money, would you take someone like a Soyuncu, like if he was available? Uh, Soyuncu, I don't know. To to be honest, Soyuncu, you know, he doesn't have that personality. I don't think he can man. Like we already have players in Chelsea, and I think yeah. uh, Rudiger. 
is equivalent to Suyansu if he plays every week. But yeah. then Suyansu is not that player who like Chelsea needs right now. Okay. So like uh, I personally feel that uh, Suyansu like as far as what I've seen his game. um he he's someone like if lampard wants to play that sort of a football where he starts passing out from the back with the goalkeeper and mm-hmm. like the center back distributes the ball into the midfield and then the midfield kind of spreads it out quickly and then you quickly and are on an attack so if you want to do that then soyuncu has actually got that experience of doing that because what basically lester do is schmeichel passes it to soyuncu soyuncu like kind of drives a little forward and then Passes it out to NDD, NDD then uh, passes it out on, to Madison or yeah. On the ball, even Rodiger is good. If you see, yeah. he's confident. He also runs with the ball. Yeah. And that was the reason he bought Rodiger in the first place because yeah. Sari's system was always from playing from the back. Yeah. Like not Sari didn't brought it. We already had him, but Sari chose Rodiger over other players because he was comfortable on the ball. Yep. Yep. But defensively, obviously, uh, Rudiger isn't the yeah. perfect uh, center back that you would obviously want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. So left back and center back are done. And your shout for center forward? Okay. Center forwards, I have two shouts. My first okay. will be Dembele, obviously. But then Dembele, Dembele. Yeah. Dembele costs yeah sixty million around. And okay. I don't think we should spend sixty million on a striker right now because we already have. uh tammy who is young we we should uh, extend giroud's contract right now and okay. after selling michi i think we should go for edward edward is from lille and he is pretty good he will cost us around 30 million okay. and he has he was he's a very decent striker he's a good striker basically and if he's in a in, in our squad i think it will be a very good competition for tammy okay and your second shot Oh, uh, Dembele and Edward both. Like first okay, is Edward. Edward, second is Dembele. Okay, so these are the two guys you want to go. And yeah. I kind of went with two elite shouts, uh, which I don't think might happen. Uh, but like, yeah, first obviously Dries Mertens. Uh, you obviously okay. had a chance uh, to sign uh, him. Uh. Yeah, uh, like obviously for a cut price, if you get him, maybe you will take him for a season or two. He's thirty-two, I think. But still, yeah, for a season or two, he might be decent. For a Tammy backup or to complement Tammy, whatever you want. But the elite option that I went, which might never really happen, but if still does, it would be mind-boggling. It's Lautaro Martinez from Inter. So I think basically uh, Lautaro Martinez is kind of different player. Like he he rem- uh, he's a bit Falcao-ish. Mm-hmm. Like reminds me a uh, reminds me of a, a young Radamel Falcao. uh he can dribble a bit he can kind of uh you know make those runs and all he's not the typical hold up guy like tammy is he's mm-hmm. he's more, he's got he's more pacey uh he can dribble a, li- a little more and his finishing is has been good this season you know in fact he's uh he's got this this is his best season of his career scored 24 goals uh one assist 3.9 shots per 90 1.2 dribbles uh and like he's he's been like uh you know he's been uh, amazing for inter milan along with lukaku and like i think aerially also he can be pretty good and uh, you know you, you always like would want a striker who could score from a long range uh, distance and i think lotaro martinez does give you that but the only thing is he like costs you about 120 million maybe right now in this market because barcelona are getting linked to him a lot so lotaro martinez how does that sound to you um 
he is good but he is still young i feel i feel he is young and yeah. he'll take some time to adapt to premier league and yeah. uh, and he's too expensive for us yeah 22 years yep and how about the timo werner timo werner yeah. uh, chelsea was highly linked to timo werner and uh, um he is a good player he has always shown his uh, uh, skills on, uh, every week uh, we yeah. also saw him against uh, spurs yeah. in the league he was yeah. pretty brilliant um, but still he might cost us a lot yeah so i think uh, dembele or um, what i said edward um, edward edward might be a good choice Okay, so, uh, so I think so that's. Right now, I feel because that, right now I feel we need a left back, we need a uh, centre back, we need a striker, and also people are saying we need a goalkeeper. So yeah. if we have to buy all these players, then we can't spend sixty, seventy, eighty million on uh, every player. Each of them, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think uh, what you said about uh, the goalkeeper thing, I think yeah, I think Kepa, you, I think you, you were just texting me this yesterday yeah. or something. that uh, i think kepa can be given a chance for the next 18 months and maybe you could try improving your center back pairing and see how that does work for kepa because i think kepa as as much as many mistakes as he's made this season i think in a few games i've seen a few uh, world class saves and uh, good performances from kepa and he kind of reminds me of a young dahaya who was thin and struggling in the premier league but then he went on to like produce two world class seasons at united uh and he's still a, a world class goalkeeper for us because i bloody know how many how many times he saves our ass and stuff but yeah i think goalkeeper i think uh kepa in my opinion should be given a more 18 month time and see how that goes but if you still want a goalkeeper my only shout was uh, oh, yeah. generally Don- donnarumma donnarumma oh okay yeah. donnarumma from ac milan i AC think yeah yep yeah, i think uh, he's kind of an elitish option who you could uh, you know uh, call the next uh, you know the yano black the next yano black hmm. not the current because uh, i think uh, donnarumma has got some class about him he can like be a good distributor as well his uh, short stopping ability is extremely good and it's going to get world class in the next few years because uh, there are a, a couple of signs for it Uh, and i think right now you can't go out and buy ayano black or a top class goalkeeper i think even onana might cost you a little more because basically ajax is getting robbed uh, by every club because they've got uh, amazing players from that infamous uh, semi final team but yeah on- onana would be a good shot but i think uh, as an elite option uh, i would prefer a donnarumma what do you think Donnarumma might be a good option, but to be to be honest, I don't want any other keeper. I want Kepa exactly. to be there because yeah. we have already spent over seventy million dollars on exactly. uh, on, on, on Kepa, and yeah, exactly. and we have seen him performing well also. And yeah. even in Bilbao, he was amazing. I had yeah. like there were rumors about Real Madrid uh, taking Kepa when he was in Bilbao. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, so we all know how good he was, and he can he can be good in PL. we need to yeah. give him some time and like yeah okay. we have some defensive issues and we need to fix those four defend defenders first yeah exactly and then we might like still then look for option yeah and i think uh, even even if chelsea uh, become very desperate and uh, you know uh, very you know urgent and selling kepa they they would actually make a loss because uh, they're not going to get the 70 million that they paid for him so it's going to be a loss i think yeah it's more logical for 
Kappa to be given time. I think yeah, uh, what Lampard did right was he gave Caballero a game, uh, run of games when Kappa wasn't doing that well, and then maybe bought Kappa something like that. Uh, I think that's the right thing to do, and I think he should maybe give him the next 18 months uh, with a good defense and see how Kappa does. So yeah, that was uh, about the keepers, and like uh, I have like an outside shout. I I heard I think it it was from you or someone that uh, William and Pedro are gonna leave Chelsea. Uh, at some, um, I think by the start of next season, and you might need to replace them. So right now, if you kind of see it on the right, you've got Hudson Odoi and uh, you know Hakim Ziyech. Obviously, obviously Odoi can play on the left as well. Uh, and on the left, you've got Pulisic, uh, and I think no one else. So I think for a left, I think you could sell maybe by a left finger. And for that, I think I had two shouts. Uh, one's obviously David Neres uh, from Ajax, yeah. and and like you can get Leon Bailey. Obviously, Leon Bailey uh, is 22 and could cost like a 40-50 million. And obviously, he's had a decline season, uh, exception uh, his first season, which was absolutely brilliant. But I think you can get one of the wingers of that kind to sort of uh, you know fix your wings pretty well for the next coming years. What do you think about it? Uh, if you're going for a winger, I, I, to be honest, I want a elite uh, winger to be there. Like and an insignia, Lorenzo insignia, maybe someone like that. He won't come. <laughs> yeah, he won't I, come. That's the thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, I want Jaden Sancho wearing a uh, Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Sancho is like everyone's dream. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, I think we have funds to spend. Like we have, we sold Aiden Hazard. And like yeah. we haven't invested that money yet, like somewhere big. We have bought uh, ZH for 35. So I think we have, uh, and plus two, we had two two transfer bans. So yeah, I think we can spend 100 million on the winger. I feel. Yeah. Okay. Like, Talking about. Yeah. What are you telling? It will be worth it because we have four wingers right now. If if Sancho comes, we'll have four wingers, and four of them are new. There's yeah. no, no single player who is. Who has that experience and who has played PL that well? Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. I'm talking about it. Uh, Aiden Hazard obviously sold Real Madrid. Obviously, you don't care about him anymore because he's not at your club. But uh, it's it looks like a pretty bad flop because he's gained up weight. He, I barely seen him like uh, performing that well for Real Madrid. He's just scored like a goal or two. How's it gone from? I, I don't think it's been the right time for him to move. What do you think about it? Um, it was the right time for him to move because he was at his peak. Like we saw how he played. Exactly. I think like if he had moved at like 26 or 27 ish, maybe it would have been like he could have got one season good. But I think at 28, what he thought was like, okay, now I finally got my move, and I think he just relaxed a little bit more, gained a little bit weight that he shouldn't (laughs) have. And yeah, what do you think about it? Uh, it was the right time, I feel, for him for his yeah. move. But then, yeah. uh, like we saw after Ronaldo moved to Juventus, uh, what happened to Madrid? Like no one was playing that well, and exactly uh, everything was messed up. To be honest, they they bought Luka Jovic, and he also didn't perform uh, to the mark up to the mark. And okay, and I don't know. Uh, I have no say on this because. To be honest, Hazard carried the whole Chelsea team sometimes, I feel. Like, there were there yeah, matches exactly. Hazard was the only guy playing and he used to assist, he used to score goals. He was the only one like we used to look up to, like, ha, Hazard is playing, something might happen now. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what's happening exactly with Hazard right now in Real Madrid, but um, uh, we have we have his replacement right now. I feel we have Pulisic yeah. there if he starts playing well. Yeah, he can develop into a good player. And like talking about another thing, uh, I think you've done this before, but I think you should try this again. But uh, if you remember, obviously you got Morata from Real Madrid uh, to Chelsea, and right now Luka Jovic at Real Madrid isn't doing that well, and you obviously might need a centre forward. So do you, would you take Luka Jovic, maybe on a loan or something, and see how he does? Like, can he complement with Tammy because he's still 22 or something, and I think uh, Luka Jovic is pretty young. And he can maybe find a touch again. So would you take Luka Jovic maybe on loan or something? For loan, yes, definitely yes. Yeah, like how, what what kind of a role do you see like playing? Role as in what do you mean by role? I mean like do you think he'll be uh, the more advanced version of Tammy or like do you think he'll be a different kind of striker for you? He'll be a different kind of striker for me because I haven't really seen him as a target man. Like last time we faced. Uh, we faced him in Europa League. Uh, yeah. I, I saw his game and he was like he was constantly on a move. He was on a free free roll. He didn't like stick yeah. to his position and played like a target man, like Tammy or Giroud. Yeah. So both have completely different roles. I think it'll depend on the fixtures, what kind of fixtures we are facing, what kind of defenders we are facing, and then we might you know uh, build the squad around that particular person. Yeah. So on loan, you're good with Lukayovic. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And so, if the transfer, I don't think when the transfer window will happen, we'll have like uh, two or three months of, you know, luxurious time to just negotiate deals and stuff. I think we'll have a shortened version of transfer window. And like, I think if the clubs have to uh, get the deals done quick and fast, and I think they'll they're gonna get overpriced, and they need might need to have the budgets uh, at place. And obviously, sorry, yeah, I don't know if they'll be overpriced because. After this all Corona thing, coronavirus thing, and then uh, if the I, fixtures, if, if the fixtures yeah. complete, then we might, you know, the the clubs might be in bankruptcy, and then uh, you know the the clubs might buy players at a cheaper rate because smaller clubs will need short term cash. Yeah, yeah, I think for, yeah, for, that might happen. So yeah, basically, what trying to say is that clubs will get so desperate for money that uh, they'll yeah. just take any price for the player. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Jack Grealish, like like uh, when PL was going on on a daily basis, we expected Jack Grealish to move from from Aston Villa for at least 60-70 million, at yeah. least. Yeah. And now, like when Aston Villa is going to bankruptcy, they will be like, okay, give at least 35-40 million right now for Jack okay. Grealish, take him away. Yeah. So yeah, in that sort of a situation, like uh, uh, next summer, obviously we we've been ta- talking about these many transfers right now. What kind of budget do you think you'll have to spend? Around 150 to 100, 150 at least. I need like we'll have for sure. Even after this situation, oh, if we don't complete the season, then we might have a lesser budget. Uh, but uh, if we complete the whole season, then yes, 150 for sure. Okay, so what what's the story going about Roman Abramovich getting divorced and not having any money? Do you have any uh, thing? I mean, any knowledge about it? Getting divorced as in like literal divorce. Yeah, I th- I've heard that he got divorced from his wife and his wife, I think, had a majority stake in his properties and stuff. And I think because of that, Roman Abramovich basically doesn't have money to invest in the club or something. I, that was the f- story floating around in the Chelsea thing. So, yeah, if that if that is true, 
then wh- what do you think about it so uh yeah so his divorce is kind of like it's, it's a true thing like i guess he like some 100 million he had to you know give away uh, yeah but then we have always seen roman like he is completely committed to the club like yeah every time and yeah. after, even after this happened like this is pretty old story this divorce thing is a pretty old story and still he is still like com- committed to the club like he like last time uh, against antisemitism we had a uh, friendly in usa there okay. also he went he went with the players like he, like right now he is not, he is not allowed to do any business in uk yeah yeah as you know yeah so he is still committed to the club yeah he might have cancelled the whole stadium redevelopment thing but then i feel he is still the roman who wants to invest in the club and wants to wants the club to succeed yeah so i think uh, roman abramovich as as an owner i think he's been quite proactive like he doesn't give managers like 5 6 years of a tenure to like settle in and do his rebuild like spurs give to a positive someone like he's very proactive like the the way he changed mourinho uh, to uh, antonio conte to sari to lampard it's been very quick and like in the past also we have that evidence of like chelsea having uh, like so many managers like ancelotti and all those all those so yeah abramovich i think is a pretty uh you know proactive owner in my opinion and you know due to all this thing do you think maybe uh, a two or three years down the line a take over or something may be possible no i don't see that happening anytime soon yeah and to- talking about takeovers uh, obviously the, <laughs> the the most the most mind boggling takeover which you know absolutely makes me angry and like feel like smashing uh, the tv when i watch the premier league again this was out it's, of nowhere this was yeah this was out of nowhere yeah it's obviously the newcastle's takeover by uh, the saudi yeah. arabian owners and also to be- break it down amanda stevely who is an, a british businesswoman she i think initially had tried to uh, yeah. secure a bet uh, to mike ashley to buy newcastle the, to buy the majority stakes of newcastle but mike ashley had uh, told that it was a load of nonsense and newcastle hadn't received any bets but he was open to selling the club still then and a few months down the line right now um, as per the news uh, amanda stavely has brokered a deal to the saudi arabian investors i think it's known as ppa ppo something like that and basically what the deal says that amanda stavely will have 10% stakes and there's a group of brothers uh, who i don't know the names they own 10% and it's 80% of a saudi arabian investment company who's uh, putting money in and they and that company is basically uh, owned by the saudi arabian crown prince prince abdul salman and he is apparently got like a 260 billion pounds in his pockets and maybe even more that i don't know like they've got like freaking load of money and so right now if you like if you're a newcastle fan you will be dreaming of haland sancho and mbappe in the next two or three years and 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 you know even after that deal uh, you know uh even after the deal had just happened uh, the news was just uh, flowing around with max allegri taking over newcastle with uh-huh. yeah just yesterday we saw otro vidal getting linked So how is this going to affect the Premier League? You know, I think is the Premier League talks is going to change. What? Okay, firstly, what's your take uh, on the takeover of Newcastle? Uh, 
I'm completely against this, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I admire Bundesliga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking maybe I should watch more Bundesliga than the Premier League because now, you know, if yeah, if 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 this shake comes over and then he brings Newcastle to top four and even he qualifies for Champions League and then he, you know, he reaches the semi-final stage and all, I'll be like, bro, I can't watch PL anymore because yeah, we exactly. have seen like uh, Manchester City has. Spend 40-50 million on every defender there. Every yeah. defender. Each defender. Even substitutes there. Yeah. <laughs> and that was crazy. And and to be honest, when we saw PSG, uh, like PSG, like the t- taking over of PSG, after PSG yeah. put Neymar for 222 million, that yeah. time Coutinho was like for 160 million. Yeah. And Coutinho was not that worth once for 160 million euros. Exactly. And that changed the whole scenario in European football. And I think when if he comes and if he starts paying 200 million for one single player, then I think it changed the whole uh, transfer system. Then, yeah. then for people like uh, Jack Grealish and all, we need to pay 120 million, 130 million for him. Yeah, exactly. It's basically sports washing. I mean, I I bloody yeah. hate the Gulf money. Huh. I mean, they basically they basically using these football clubs to carry out foreign trade and other purposes. Like they're basically making this football uh, football yeah, clubs as a piece of the business. Like I like today I read somewhere about Jim Ratcliffe. So Jim Ratcliffe's you know Jim Ratcliffe right? Uh, not exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, so he is a, a multimillionaire from uh, UK, and okay. he is like. The owner of Inewise. Inewise is a company for petroleum and all. So okay. there were links of Jim Ratcliffe taking over Chelsea and Roman Abramovich selling Chelsea to, to Jim Ratcliffe. Oh. But then it didn't happen. And so okay. Jim Ratcliffe is the owner of some club. Okay, I don't know which club exactly. Um, yeah, he like he's an owner of some club. Yeah, that's assume. Yeah, yeah. So basically, he owns a club, and then. Uh, there are some uh, environmentalists who are against Jim Ratcliffe and saying that his company is polluting the environment and stuff. So what he is doing is he investing that money in in sports so that people support him. Exactly. And his identity is clean then. Exactly. So I think this sheikhs and all this Russian money, this uh, sorry, uh, sorry Arabic UAE money, they also might have something behind it. Exactly. You know, uh, you know, a few months back, you know, uh, these Saudi Arabian owners who just bought a Newcastle, yeah. uh, I, the f- a few months back, uh, they were linked to buying Manchester United, and even our uh, head of hello, yeah, hello, uh-huh. yep. So, uh, yeah, so basically, United uh, were negotiating with Saudi, uh, and United needed like. Three or three or four billion pounds to uh, get the club uh, for sale, and they obviously wanted the seven hundred or eight hundred million debt the club was in when they bought it. So, and after that, they wanted to look the uh, they wanted to the Saudi owners to even pay the staff duties and all. So, uh, what Amanda Sibley did was that she basically used this United deal to show that look, uh, instead of investing a three four billion pounds on United, you could rather buy Newcastle for three fifty million and make them on the levels of these elite clubs because that would be a much better investment. And Newcastle is like a fallen giant; you want to rise, maybe. So, like all those all those sort of bullshit stories. And even for ten percent, she gets a lot of uh, money and stake in the club. Uh, to be honest, and you know. Uh, the the thing with these Gulf people is that uh, they they like they they have 
several human rights issues and you know feminist femi- feminism yeah. issues yeah. and like they're, they're like very uh bad on that part and then like they like uh prom- provoke violence and stuff and like you know i basically read an article from the independent uh, there was a journalist called miguel delaney and he basically described manchester city situation like they're owned by the abu dhabi group owners and like they uh, as of on a footballing side they look absolutely perfect the top to bottom the club structuring is uh, absolutely perfect and phenomenal but from the outside world from a footballing perspective he described uh, he quoted some people and called them as a weapon of sports washing or uh, a, f- a weapon of foreign trade and stuff so basically the abu dhabi owner groups is not as dangerous as the saudis you know so saudis are basically the kings of gulf so like they bloody rule all these gulf countries and saudis taking over the premier league could be a doomsday for like any other club because they'll just buy everything out and they'll just you know pr- promote their brand, uh, their country and brand up front over anything so i think that's going to be a huge huge thing for football and you know i just hope that uh, you know uh, in a few years time when we'll be discussing top 6 teams and stuff like that in the premier league we don't have to talk about the newcastles and the leicesters along with the man cities and united and chelsea's the top 6 so yeah so all in all how long do you think newcastle will like become the next man city like uh, in terms of the rise 3 years maybe Uh, I think yeah, you know, in, from right from day one, uh, you can see the Arthur Vidal and Allegri, yeah. exactly. And I think uh, their takeover isn't like official yet because I think they have to submit some documents and stuff to the Premier League, and the Premier League kind of takes four to eight weeks to approve them. But right now, obviously, you know the situation is yeah. very huh. worse. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So what impact do you think this takeover kind of will have on Chelsea? Do you think? Chelsea will get their targets, or do you think Chelsea is going to struggle in the market because Newcastle's purchasing? If they really start to purchase, it's going to inflate the market even more. So, do you think what what kind of an impact it will have on Chelsea, like in terms of them being a traditional top four club and in in terms of the transfers and all? Uh, obviously, they inflate the market. That's the one major issue. But yeah, the whole Premier League, the whole European football will change. Yeah, because now we have seen how PSG started playing the game. Like they bought Neymar, they bought Mbappe, they started doing all those things just to yeah. win that CL title. And same thing will happen with Newcastle. They will come up. They will first aim as PL. Uh, they will come for. They fight for top four. They'll bring all the elite players, name it Sancho, name it Mbappe, like whoever they like. Haaland in form, yeah, yeah, Haaland maybe. they bring they bring the best managers they'll do everything just to win the pl and then obviously the tpl will become more difficult because we they, we already have uh, man city liverpool chelsea now again we have jose and spurs so like we can consider spurs next season as a title contenders uh, what uh, seriously i i think mourinho is done basically he's just not the manager to like i mean i tradition i traditionally know mourinho as a manager who kind of does decent in his first season and second season is just uh, very seriously goes for the title but i don't think under daniel levy's uh, minimum backing i don't think mourinho is anymore the manager who can just go for the title uh no i think he can do something with first okay yeah so yeah so basically we have city liverpool chelsea, chelsea. spurs united yeah. and yeah. arsenal 
and now oh, you've got Leicester and Wolves. Yeah, Leicester is again there. Uh, I don't know if Sheffield is a one season thing or no, like but they are good defensively, and yeah. we have seen like def- defensive teams can also win titles. We have seen um, Jose <laughs> playing with Chelsea, yeah. Yeah. and uh, it is pretty obvious they are good defensively, and they might be in top six. Like, yeah, yeah, huh, top six. Yeah, I think so. But with with, with Newcastle coming up. It's gonna be more difficult now. Yeah, but you know, have you observed the irony of this? I mean, City owners came in, splashed the cash like anything. Uh, Newcastle, uh, now Newcastle have come in, and obviously PSG owners splashed their cash on Neymar mm-hmm. and Mbappe, and they obviously bought Thomas Tuchel uh, when he was at his prime of his management yeah. career at uh, Dortmund. But none of them have actually won the Champions League. <laughs> Which is the most biggest irony? So, do you think Newcastle can break that Gulf oil duck of like winning the Champions League, maybe like in a few years of investment? Or do no. you think they're just no. struggling no. like City or PSG? I don't. I don't think, you know, um, big transfers will help you win Champions League. Exactly. It's it's got to be the manager somewhere down the line. Yeah, because we have seen how Liverpool, you know, they slowly developed like they developed the whole team uh, yeah. from defense to attack like slowly, not like in a one or two season time. It's a slow process, so yeah. I, I think it will take time. But I don't think I don't see Newcastle winning Champions League to be honest in the next five to six, seven years. Maybe no, no. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the best. So yeah, basically Chelsea is gonna uh, have their problems and all, and Newcastle, you know, it's gonna affect uh, the league a lot in a lot of ways. So uh, the last thing that I wanted to ask you on this podcast. Uh, before you think uh, we can like wrap up, mm-hmm. is Fra- is Frank Lampard the guy for the long term? Do you think he's been any better than the previous managers? And what's different of Lampard from the previous managers? And do you think he's the guy for the long term to take you forward? Uh, he definitely is a guy who can take us forward on a long term basis. But his first season was pretty good, like better than what I expected it to be. Yeah, because exactly. After, yeah, with transfer ban, with Hazard leaving, with you know everything changing around. He took the young players. He made like he helped them develop. And now we we know uh, our top scorer is obviously Tammy. Second is Mount. Third is William again. So I feel he he has done a pretty good job with transfer ban. And if he if he's helped financially, he might you know make a better team. And then we might fight for the fight for the title. And he is a long term manager according to me. Tactically, how different is he to a Mourinho, or do you see similarities with him and Mourinho and someone like a Conte? I think I definitely think the back three that he uses against the bigger teams, uh, that is like reminiscent to what Conte used to do. Yeah, but Conte, uh, in his first season, we saw that he had Costa with him, so he yeah. knew that we can score at least. The Costa can score at least 15-20 goals every season, so he made an attack attacking team. And in the first season, we saw Hazard playing well. We had Costa in there, and we saw a whole attacking Chelsea. But in the second season of Conte, uh, Costa left. We had Morata. We yeah. knew Morata like he won't be up to the mark. So we played defensive, and we were very defensive with it. So uh, the the Chelsea which I am seeing under Lampard is a Chelsea who presses a lot, keeping a high line. And is also attacking-minded, but yeah. the Jose were attacking. It is you know 2004-5 Chelsea with Drogba, Lampard, 
Yeah, exactly. Actually, we don't we don't defend now deep down, but then we attack. We play with the ball. We press them, but it is not similar to Conte or Jose's second spell. It is kind of similar to Sari's system, but Sari used to start from behind, like from the center backs, from the wing, from the full backs. He used to start. We don't start from the full backs, but it is possession based. It is the game is quick, and it is much more. Um, it is better to watch. It is enjoy- yeah. the game is enjoying. Yeah. Like he's got the philosophy uh, yeah. and the vision of Lampard is pretty clear. But I feel he is uh, his his substitutions are very late in the match. I feel after yeah. the 75th minute and after the 80th minute he tries to bring in new players and then then we can't expect the players to play good to play well. To be honest. Yeah. So yeah, that's it from me and Bhumesh in this podcast. I hope you enjoyed that podcast, Bhumesh. Uh, thanks, bro. It was my first time, and I hope I haven't screwed it. No, no, no. It's um, uh, like you uh, spoke pretty well, and like you, you're good in that. I hope you weren't too nervous and all. Um, I was in the start. Yeah, but then, yeah. yeah. It was. <laughs> it went comfortable. Yeah. I feel. I think more two, three podcasts, and then I'll be fine. Yeah, you're gonna do more, right? Yeah, with you, yes. Yeah, and we're gonna like. Talk more uh, generalized footballing topics and stuff that would yeah. I think interest ah. you more and ah, ha, ha, keep ha. us keep us time <laughs> time pass in this lockdown and all. So yeah, so yeah, great experience, mate. Uh, thanks for coming on. Hope you enjoyed it. So yeah, yeah. make sure you listen to this on uh, Anchor, Google Podcast, Spotify, Radio Cast, Pocket Cast, uh, Breaker, and many more. Uh, yeah, Benjus Club is gonna come back soon. Uh, by the time this podcast releases, I think it should be out. I hope. I just keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> But yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I can. I hope I can do more podcasts with Bhumesh and more fans. Uh, I just want to keep doing them. I just I'm passionate for these. So yeah, see you again in the next podcast. Then. Yeah, man, stay safe, man. Yeah, stay safe, bro. Yeah, see ya.